0: Welcome to the India FinTech Diaries, the only podcast focused exclusively on the Indian fintech market. I'm Elroy. And I'm Heman. In each
1: episode, we dive into the latest trends, ideas, innovations, business models, and personalities that are shaping India's fintech landscape.
0: We also invite amazing guests who are innovators and industry players that are driving the change that is helping make financial services more modern, innovative, and inclusive in India. Come join us as we explore the changing landscape of fintech in India. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of India Fintech Diaries. I'm your co-host, Elroy, and this is our show where we discuss the latest trends in Indian fintech and speak to some amazing guests from the industry.
1: And I'm your host, Kemant. Last week, we spoke to Mayank Kachwaha, co-founder and chief operating officer of India Lens. Our discussion gave us an interesting look into the role that platforms play in reducing cost of loan origination and making getting a loan seamless for customers but what happens when it's time to repay the loan is there some way to make the process equally seamless and easy well to answer that question we have aditya singh co-founder and chief commercial officer of credit mate with us today welcome to india fintech diaries aditya. thank you alroy thank you himans uh... Thank you for the invite to come on India FinTech Diaries and speak with you guys. Great. Aditya, you have had an interesting journey. You started financial services with a fairly longish stint in the management consulting. Then finally, you launched the Creative Mate. Can you tell us about your journey and the hypothesis behind founding Credit Mate? So as you rightly said,
2: Aman's uh, most of my my career has been in financial services, and even in management consulting, it's been in financial services uh, with a lot of emphasis on. Uh, Payments. I was actually part of the uh, consulting team that helped launch uh, the Rupee payment and, and debit card scheme. Have have run a few startups, uh, you know, in, also during my during my career. Uh, but I guess CreditMate has been the one that has been the most has had the most interesting journey so far. The thesis behind CreditMate was that we wanted to do something in the lending space, but we were fairly sure that we wanted to actually lend in uh, in assets that offered productivity benefits to the middle class and lower middle class. That is why when we started out, we zeroed in on, on two wheelers. Uh, we'd actually seen how aggregation, brand building and access to finance uh, had grown the use for wheeler space. Uh, and we want to do the same in, in, in two-wheelers. Again, with the growth in the gig economy, you know, a two-wheeler is, is, is a great productivity asset. And that, that was a hypothesis get into that. We did that for two and a half years. We did use two-wheeler financing. We, we were the first ones to do that in the country. Uh, new, new two-wheeler financing, we did a lot of dealer financing, loan against bikes. While we were doing the lending business, we realized that collections is also a major component in the loan life cycle. What we like to call the other side of the funnel. Uh, of course lending is the more glamorous side of uh, of the business but an equally important part of the business is, is collections you realize that being a new lender we also very quickly realized that collections processes and infrastructure in the country were not really amenable to the new age digital lenders and digital nbfc's hence we decided to pivot into providing uh, services in the collection space introducing technology in collections and also providing a key infrastructure uh, in the ecosystem, which uh, the lending industry could, could sort of draw on. So while the lenders could concentrate on, on doing what, what they knew best, which was underwriting and building models for determining creditworthiness, we wanted to solve the problem that happens on the other side and, and use data and technology to solve that problem.
0: Now, I find that really interesting, Aditya, that you actually found the collections problem more interesting to solve than being a digital lender. And this is an eye-opener for me, especially given the fact that uh, you see the number of fintechs that are aspiring to be digital lenders vastly outnumbers the fintechs that are actually tackling the collections problem. And I think that's also partly to do with how the collections industry works today. So maybe for the benefit of our listeners, you could probably give us an idea of the size of the collections problem that lenders are facing today and how fragmented the solutions to solve those problems are today.
2: So uh, let me start with, with the first question. Um, so to be honest, it's extremely difficult to quantify the exact size of the collections problem. Uh, if you look at, at most, you know, if you look at RBI, any of the of the published data, most of the conversation revolves around NPAs, which are typically loans uh, where the principal or the interest has not been paid for 90 days. Yeah. Uh, what a lot of people forget is, is that even someone who, who defaults and does not pay on day one uh, and stays... In, in the flows part of the of the collection cycle, which is 1 to 90 days, it is a cost uh, to the lender to actually be able to collect. If I had to uh, take a look at these numbers and if you look at uh, you know the, the, the RBI's financial stability report, which came out in July 2020, the cross NP of all the scheduled commercials banks is expected to hit 12.5% in March 21 under a baseline scenario expected to be even worse at 14, uh, 14 percent if things went worse but thankfully I think the economy is recovering a little better than expected in July 2020. If you had to if I had to uh, give you a ballpark number i would say just just the NPA problem which is 90 plus would be somewhere in the range of 200 to 250 billion dollars uh, and that's purely 90 plus uh, and and if you include uh, NBFCs and, and and fintechs into it while they are much smaller uh, in sizes compared to the scheduled commercial banks. Uh, this would be uh, a little, a little uh, bigger. Plus, uh, anytime that NBFC of Intex are given loan, the underlying money is actually coming more often than not from uh, a bank. So, if if the NBFC start to default or borrowers start to default on NBFC loans, uh, that has a ripple effect on on banks' balance sheets uh, also. If I had to sort of answer your second question on how the industry functions, it's extremely fragmented. While most lenders, especially fintech lenders and new-edge lenders, uh, would want to be Pan-India from a distribution perspective. Uh, you don't really have agencies that you could work with uh, on, on a Pan-India level. You, there would be large call centers who do some work in the collection space along with uh, uh, with, with work in the sourcing space. Uh, but you would have to go find local regional agencies across the country to be able to manage Rural and and field visits so there these would be thousands of agencies spread across the country and which is not possible uh, for any any lender especially a new age lender to be able to um, to get on 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 board if you look at how the industry was earlier most collection agencies uh, have been have been centered around where banks have traditionally been, uh, and large banks have created huge internal teams especially on 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 telecalling side to actually manage the collections problem and more often than not these were also centered around you know where the bank's branches were, so any sort of field activities that had to be done was was centered around branches, while most of the telecalling was 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 internal. That's starting to change with at least later buckets being outsourced now to uh, to some call centers to manage. But extremely fragmented, limited technology in, in, in use, essentially almost a black box uh, in in terms of how the industry functions.
1: Mm Hmm. Anyways, collection has always been a very difficult problem to solve. And the way you just explained, if I'm a new age lender, I basically have two options. Right. One is that either I set up my own network, which is going to be very, very costly, cumbersome. My scale space would be very, very slow or maybe I restrict myself geographically. But as you said, any new age lender would like to expand really, really fast. The third option is left to partner with someone like you. Can you explain how your platform really helps uh, a lender improve their collections process uh, and and the rate of collection? One one obvious benefit is, uh, you
2: know, with our platform, a fintech or any new age lender gets access to a pan-India collections network at at no cost. And what I mean by that is, uh, is that otherwise you would have to go and find these people and onboard them. But on my platform, you have hundreds of agencies already available, uh, which which offer you a pan-India presence. One of the major issues with collections in the past is complete lack of visibility of activities. Uh, so how a typical collections process would work is you would, in an Excel sheet, give cases to uh, to a collection agency, which would start doing calling activities, either using some dialeric solution that they have, which is the extent of technology that any agency has. And then you as a lender would probably... At a later date, note how much money you've you received uh, or what is on uh, a portfolio level or a macro level, what has been done in your cases. There's no real-time visibility that you have on, on your portfolio. So really, most of these are, are completely non-compliant from a regulatory requirements in terms of data security, availability of, of real-time recordings. So if you... Uh, if you look at what the platform does, uh, and I'm going to get into maybe talking about the platform a little more to explain this, is is that at one go you you get real-time visibility of all activities that you uh, that are going on in, on your portfolio. Uh, you get a solution which is regulatory compliant, whatever the regulator requires. Uh, you of course get access to you know ML-based algorithms which are not just looking at your data, but you look they're looking at millions of of data points on on similar customers that the system may have seen in the past and created propensity to pay modeling on while which for a new lender would take you a long time to develop and even if you do develop your own internal collectability scores or propensity to pay scores or do risk classification of customers from from a collections perspective you would those models would still be biased by the underwriting that um, you as a lender have done uh, what this platform allows us to do is is actually look at cohorts across different lenders and across different types of underwriting to find what is the right methodology or strategy that that we should deploy to collect uh, from anyone that's that's in the collections queue
1: understood understood and Arithi, normally when you talk about collection people keep talking about technology but i think a lot of time people tend to forget that for a country like india uh, there's so much uh, physical reach and physical network which is required and now i'm going to go through few numbers in fact a lot of numbers tell us if you have got some of the numbers wrong if they have got updated but i see that you are across more than 20 indian states 3100 plus tele collectors 3600 plus fos collection agents 250000 50,000 plus cash drop points and 1,500 plus cash pickup agents. Now this, building this physical network would not have been very easy. Can you talk us through some of the challenges that you faced and how did you circumvent those challenges while building such a network? So you, you're right.
2: I mean, it, it takes time to, to create this network and, and um, one is finding these agencies itself, uh, right? So what you have to do is talk to a lot of uh, people who've you know, possibly talk to banks and NBFCs who've been around for the longest time to figure out where these collection agencies are. Of course, you have to find on 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 the cash drop points and on the cash pickup. You have to find aggregators like payment banks or logistics companies that offer services to to e commerce giants in the country, uh, which would give you ready access to uh, to a large pool of of such merchants who can act as cash drop points or or agents who actually come to your house and and work with logistic companies for for large e commerce firms. Some of the issues that we faced initially was that agencies would often look at us as competition that would take the business away. Because uh, when, when you first go to them, in a sense, it's for them, it seems like while they could directly work with these lenders, uh, here's someone who, can, who sits in the middle and therefore restricts access uh, that they would typically have. So it wasn't very easy to explain to them that we would actually increase their business uh, by getting lenders on the platform. So in a sense, while they remain the primary service provider offering the, the last mile collections effort, uh, we we were in a sense doing a lot of business development for them. Even initially, and possibly even now, to a certain extent, uh, the scale of cases on the platform is also an issue. It's 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 sort of like a supply and demand uh, problem because still you have a lot of service providers on your platform. Lenders do not want to come on board uh, because you may not be able to service all the locations that they want. Uh, they're they're giving loans in, and on the other side, agencies. If you if you onboard them with not enough cases, they would rather at the at the end of the month you realize that they've worked on the tens of thousands of cases that large banks have given them, uh, and and not uh, you know the the thousands that that you have given them for <clears throat> the, the partners that you work with. Uh, so that that took us a little bit of time, of course. Now with with more than five hundred thousand odd cases on a monthly basis, uh, you know we do sort of uh, incentivize them uh, to work with us. Uh, in in some cases, we also actually in in, in locations where fintechs have started to lend. Uh, but there's not enough agency presence uh, because banks and larger NBFCs are traditionally not linked there. Mm. Uh, we do get agencies to work with us by doing some sort of retainer plus a success model. And and that works because while, you know, while we may not have enough cases by one lender an expansion into a new geography, this this route also then allows us to go to another lender and say we already have some sort of presence here. Uh, and this is especially in terms of uh, in, in newer areas. So all lenders have linked in the top 20, 25 cities. Uh, now that you see fintechs tying up with e-commerce people and, and actually giving loans on those sites and a lot of these consumer durable loans, or as you saw during festivals uh, on e-commerce sites, lending is, is now spread across the country, uh, you know, and, and some of the lenders we work with expect us to be wherever they're lending, uh, giving loans are. So it's it's, it's been a journey uh, to that. Another issue that we faced initially was that agencies are very, very reluctant to embrace technology. Mm. Uh, they are used to working on Excel. They are used to taking printouts with them for field collections. So to evangelize the use of technology for them, uh, telling them that there's there's no way that they can download data uh, from the platform. We mask phone numbers, so so you know there's there's no way that they can interact directly with the customer. There's no papers that they can carry on the field, but they can only use our web-based calling platform and our and our app for field collections. That that also is, uh, is is a problem that we faced. The one last point is agent training, and that's a very very important aspect because there's huge regulatory and reputational risk in any interaction that a collector has with a borrower. So you know ensuring that proper due diligence is done on the agencies and agents, plus the training is done uh, on the
1: systems and code of conduct is 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 a huge operational task. Hmm. got it got it got it and uh, you just touched also touched upon the role of uh, data-driven decision making to optimize and improve the collection efficiency uh, can you explain to us a bit how you're using data analytics and machine learning to improve uh, the decision making and improve the collection efficiency on your platform there are two important questions to answer
2: when you're looking at a portfolio of customers right uh, one is who do I think uh, has a higher propensity to pay, or who do I think is someone who will pay? Uh, and the next question is, how will this person pay? Right. So essentially, in a sense, we have these two models which we call Sherlock and uh, Feluda. Uh, mm-hmm. Sherlock, Sherlock was our first uh, <laughs> uh, tool, which is uh, which is essentially a prioritization algo uh, that dynamically sorts the collections queue. So when I get a lot of cases into the platform, Sherlock takes a look at that. That data looks at uh, you know if you've seen similar customers and cohorts in the past um, and gives a score to each customer to say what is the propensity to pay off of this particular customer mm. it prioritizes them uh, for for agency so it's it's not disc it's not at the agency's discretion or the telecall or field collectors discretion to decide how they want to work on the cases that we've allocated to them uh, they have to follow this platform uh, which means that anyone i classify as now has a very very high propensity to pay and therefore to increase efficiency in the platform, attack these people first or or try to collect from these people first, you know, and therefore leave the more difficult people towards, towards the end. Uh, so the easier to, to collect from other ones that you, that you, that you collect quickly from. And then this is a macro level view of, of who I can collect from the micro level view would be, if I know that I can collect from someone, what is the right channel that I should be doing? So right, so if Sherlock is a prioritization algorithm, then feluda is a profiling algorithm that actually basis interactions across different communication channels actually creates uh, what is the right way to collect from this person when what is the right channel to be deployed is it digital uh, is it is it telecalling is it field what is the right time to interact with this customer what's the right language what are keywords that that you should be using what is the payment system that this customer uh, would would prefer to use is it is going to be cash or is this customer more online and then, and then we deploy Feluda to actually create active eligibility for each case, uh, and and based on eligibility, we either push each we push each customer into either a digital queue or a calling queue or, or or a field queue. So these two algorithms essentially determine how and and who we, we we collect from and and what is the right methodology. In a sense, creating a customer level collection strategy. Uh, one of the things that that collections typically has overlooked has been a one size fit all. Now, during underwriting, each customer is scored differently. But in collections, if, if the same brute force is used for everyone, uh, that really is not the right strategy. Uh, this, this allows us to then create very bespoke, customized collection strategy and methodology for each uh, for each person that flows into the queue.
1: Got it. Got it. Now that gives us a very good view into the capabilities and the services of the platform. Now, assume that if I am a new age fintech and I want to start working with you. Can you tell us what the process would be? Um, is it completely digital? What parts of it are uh, physical, and how soon can I get up and running if I decide to work with Great for my collections business? So it is. It is completely
2: digital, uh, and and how soon is depends on on legal contracting. <laughs> that's the that's the only bit that is that is offline. And that differs uh, between uh, fintechs and and, and larger NBFCs and banks. Uh, with banks, it takes much longer time for both legal as well as as well as integrations. But with fintechs, that's of course a much reduced cycle. It's completely uh, it's completely digital. We have API documentation are available. Uh, the platform comes integrated with all digital gateways, which is SMS gateways, outbound dialing, WhatsApp, emails, cloud telephony service providers. It comes integrated with five six different payment gateways. So, basis APIs, we can go live in one or two days depending on the bandwidth that the lender has. Uh, extremely simple APIs. So, essentially, it's we've gone live with lenders in within, within two days.
0: That's pretty amazing to go live with someone in just two days, in fact. Uh, I had a follow up question on that one. Uh, how would the pricing for these fintechs work? Uh, do they only pay for the platform you use, something like a SaaS model, or are there other models that you also work on?
2: Yeah, so uh, right we have two different engagement models. One is uh, is of course SaaS, uh, which means that the lender can take this platform and say, I'm going to manage all my collections through this platform. The other is uh, is like a collection services where the lender actually allocates cases to us and we act as an aggregator agency. We take the cases on the platform and then we deploy our internal digital collections or digital resolutions team uh, and then our service providers in the calling and uh, and field uh, space to actually work on the cases and uh, and, and resolve them for the lender. So in, in the collection services, I'm a single point of contact. It's almost like a collection agency that the lender is tying up with. And I deploy my technology to do all this work. Uh, in a SaaS platform, of course, the lender takes uh, the platform, pushes, uses their own internal people on the platform, uses their other existing collection agencies, and possibly even me as, as as one of the agencies on the platform.
0: Yeah, if I understood this correctly, in the second model that you pick up, right, uh, this is essentially somewhere something that we're doing everything end to end.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, so we're doing everything end to end where you give cases to me and, and essentially your role as a lender ends and then i i take it and work with my agencies to actually do the collections for you where of course the pricing is completely success based typically how this works and it's traditionally it's been extremely complicated pricing uh and and you know therefore peak reconciliation invoicing is is a huge headache in the collection space we've uh we've done two interesting things is with with pricing essentially tried to bifurcate the effort that's been put into us and the channel that's been used to collect and, and, and price accordingly. Uh, that's something that we have uh, you know used in the past. COVID times has been a little, little difficult to do this and, and therefore it's, it's it's standard pricing. Uh, but typically because I have complete control of all activities and I can track down to an individual call, I know what is the effort and what's the queue that is, has that is led to resolution of the case. So we can actually charge differently basis. So digital... A uh, lead resolution can be charged lesser than, than a field-led resolutions which is something that was never there in, in, in the market, but typically it remains success based on, on collection as a service. On the SaaS platform, it is, a, it is a very small percentage of the collections that a lender does by using my platform. In a way, almost like a payment gateway charges you per transaction, uh, we charge a very small fee on, on successful collections. What that means is you can on, upload all your cases, you can have as many people as you want working on the platform. Uh, I'm just going to charge you a small success fee on cases that you collect on because you're using the ecosystem and the intelligence that I've created.
0: I think that's pretty interesting because this, I think, would be actually more efficient and cheaper than uh, the traditional method of maybe uh, tying up with multiple uh, collection agencies, each with their own different pricing model. Absolutely. Uh, The other thing I'd like to check with you, Aditya, is maybe since we've talked a lot about the platform so far, it'll be good to just maybe summarize uh, what might be the maybe top two or three differences between traditional players and platforms such as yours.
2: One huge difference, as I said, of course, is is the the intelligence that we deploy. Typically, when you work with any traditional player, they're not really providing those services. Most traditional players would only give you a calling uh, facility or a field collections facility. There's no intelligence that 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 they provide. You know, you as a lender would probably have to give any intelligence to them to, to be able to do collections. Yeah, uh, which is which is a huge uh, uh, benefit. Uh, two, of course, is is in terms of data security, which which is which is a benefit because typically, if you share data in Excel sheet. Uh, you know, you do know that the data is being sold or shared, you know, which which is something that RBI does not allow. Um, yeah. Another huge benefit is is around transparency and visibility. As I said, it's typically collections has been, has been a, a black hole where, you know, essentially all you manage to get is how much money you've, you've recovered uh, and, and you lose all the data that you've collected in the collections uh, process. There's a lot of new data that a lender can find in the collections process, be it new addresses new phone numbers you know just just the conversation leading to why a customer has not been able to pay or is not paying or or, or you know there's the customer service issues there frauds that we have found some of that information just never flows back to a lender and even if it does it's up there in excel sheet but doesn't get ingested back into uh, into a lenders no uh, loan management systems so this fully integrated platform gives gives them that benefit and as I said it's a full stack from one platform itself you're running digital calling and and fields so like an omni-channel for for collections and and mm. all of these because all of them can happen from only within the platform I have logs of each and every event that I run on on, on customers uh, so now we have millions and millions of data points which allows me and therefore the lender to actually benefit from uh from from the heuristics and algos that, that we can run on those data.
1: Switching gears a bit, Aditya, in December 2019, you came out with a survey, uh, which was conducted around 2 lakh borrowers across 30 states and 40 lenders. And the survey highlighted that the delay in salary and business downturn were the main two reasons for defaults. Now, no one expected the year that we have had in 2020, and things have taken a turn for the worse. Now, Looking at the data, uh, what, what does that say about the year that we've had? What does the future hold for us?
2: So if you if you look at what's happened over the uh, last nine months, you know, from from our perspective also, while we started to see uh, a slowing down in the economy, you know, even the beginning of this year, pre-COVID, Jan and Feb were still our best months and, and we were able to recover. There was a definite drop from April onwards to around June. Uh, and then after that, there's been a slow uptick uh, and, and current numbers, not just for us, but if you talk to any any lender, any any industry player in terms of collections, while not back to pre-COVID numbers, we're essentially, you know, close to, to pre-COVID numbers in terms of resolutions. Not much has changed in terms of, uh, you know, the reasons that people have for not paying. Other than uh, delay in salary has also now sort of changed to loss of salary. Uh, that's something that we've definitely seen. Uh, business downturn is 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 definitely uh, one of the key reasons that that we are seeing. Another thing that's happened Roy, uh, is while there are a lot of people who possibly do have a little bit of money in hand, you know, sometimes they do say that they're saving it for a rainy day and, and therefore we've seen a lot of requests for restructuring of loans coming in, uh, where people say that while they do have the money to pay, is there a way to restructure where there could be delayed payments or it could be spread out over a longer tenor. So on a monthly basis, the, the outflow or the outgo is a little lesser. Uh, so that's something that, that we are seeing a lot of requests for uh, for restructuring of loans. Uh, we saw a lot of people asking for a moratorium and even from our lenders, we saw that for some lenders, even 60 to 70% of their book uh, went into moratorium. Uh, and only now are we starting to maybe see a, an effect uh, of, of that coming in uh, because end of moratorium now it's been three months or so some of those cases that are not started to uh, pay will start to hit NPA pools. It's a gradual uh, increase in, in resolution numbers but I, we still do see stress uh, both from salaried as well as self-employed people in the market.
1: And in fact what I love about an entrepreneur is that even in the worst of the times uh, and in the most difficult of the times all of them, uh, including us as well, we tend to be optimistic, right? We are always optimistic that things would improve and the the green shoots have started becoming visible. So hopefully we have a, a good time and good good year ahead. Looking at that I and mean, when looking at the future, uh, from your point of view, what are the three major trends that you uh, foresee that will shape, uh, shape our industry?
2: So, you know, our the collection space uh, gets impacted essentially a lot by the lending space, right? So essentially... There are a lot of things that we're already seeing and what I think the, the few things that will happen is is one, focus on technology, not just on underwriting, but in the collection space also. Typically, the conversation has always been around growth in book and, and not on on portfolio quality, which which is something that's changed in the last eight, nine months. Uh, so that's a trend that I think will will continue to uh, be prevalent where we will be talking of, of asset quality more than just a growth in book. We're also seeing a lot more investment being made in technology, in collections. For a lot of people, that was an afterthought uh, where, you know, you could still manage to collection on Excel sheet even when you had a decently large book. All that is changing. Uh, I, I think lender systems uh, and this I'm talking about loan management systems itself have started to undergo changes because there's a lot of restructuring that is happening. Um, you know, you would have to come out with with novel ways, uh, innovative ways to be able to restructure and some of the lender systems are not available and not uh, you know, capable to do that. Uh, so we're also seeing a lot of lenders making investment on technology on that front. I think more, more and more uh, service providers in the collection space will be expected to to deploy more technology uh, you know, to be able to service uh, clients. I think the regulator is also going to be a little more strict on that. And one key thing is, is feedback from the collections ecosystem back to lenders. That's a leg that, that was often overlooked. Uh, but that's something that I think more and more lenders will, will need. Feedback from the market and, and the last mile is, is these collection agencies or the digital players who are trying to solve this problem. I think feedback from them... Uh, on, on market conditions, on requirements of, of borrowers, both existing uh, as well as new borrowers. I think that is something that lenders will start to uh, uh, to look at much more.
0: It's been great speaking with you, Aditya, and thanks for taking this time for sharing a whole wealth of information on the tricky area of collections with our listeners. For our fintech listeners, what's the best way to learn more about CreditMate and get in touch with you to see uh, how collaboration with CreditMate is possible?
2: So, of course, they can go to our site, creditmate.in. They can reach out to me on Aditya at creditmate.in. And I'm happy to share my phone number, uh, you know, on the podcast if if you guys allow that.
0: Uh, thanks a ton, Aditya, for being on the show. And that's it for this week on India Fintech Diaries. Do peer visit to your website, indiafintechdiaries.com, for exclusive content that ties into the episodes on the show. Wishing you all a very Merry Christmas and do stay safe.